Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Strife's Sanctum Podcast. My name is Citizen Strife, and this week, I'm going to be talking about the first anime I ever watched, that being Tenshi. Whether it be Tenshi Muyo, Tensho Ryooki, Tenshi Universe, you name it, it was one of those. Because way back in 2000, I was in high school. Gotta feel old, but not that old, I guess. But... Toonami was a thing long before, but I didn't really... I mean, I watched Cartoon Network, I watched Dexter's Lab, I watched, you know, stuff on Nickelodeon. I grew up watching, you know, American cartoons, Gargos, Ren and Stimpy, whatever, you know, stuff like that. 2000 rolls around, I'm probably at home from school. God, what was it? 10th grade, 12th grade, something like something like that. And... I see this stuff that I'd never seen before, and sure enough, it I think it was the Hot Springs episode, episode three or episode nine, and I, I want to say it was nine because I do, or I want to say it was three because I remember the weird monster and I remember Ryoko being nude-ish, because it was censored. <laughs> nude-ish, yes, but those who know, know, those who don't know, I'm about to tell you. But uh, yes, Tenchi was a was a mainstay of Toonami, and I don't know if they ever bring it back for like Adult Swim or whatever. I'm sure they do, but for years, I'm sure it was a thing because Tenchi was always kind of those franchises that like people knew and people respected, despite how dumb it was at most points. And it became a it became really popular that it spawned so many, so many, almost too many spinoffs. Mostly to diminishing returns. So, <laughs> by and large, I'm only going to be talking about the first two shows. And then some other day I'm going to be talking about the first and the third movie. Because the second movie sort of happened. <laughs> but, for today, I'm going to be talking about growing up and watching it. And, you know, a couple of years ago, re-watching it. Because I found that even the older that I got, there were still things about the Tenchi franchise and the Tenchi uh, characters and whatever, that despite being like one of the first harems that I remember, obviously it was my first experience, but now harem is everywhere in every show, everywhere. If it's not an easy guy, it's a harem. If it's not a harem, it's an easy guy, you know, shit like that. Every main character has to have 50, gu 50 girls going after him, or at least hinting at that, even if the show doesn't really call for it. So harem has to, you know, do something better. Or in the case of like quintuplets, essentially be the entire focus of the show and sort of try to make all of them viable because, you know, harems can't really do that very well. So now there's a show called 100 Girlfriends that really, really like you. I'm like, how's that no fucking work? And no, I haven't seen it yet. I just know that that exists. But going as far back as 1992, because this is when this was made. Because I watched it in 2000, so that should tell you how far back, like, Adult Swim slash Toonami, like, they probably got the rights back in, like, 97, 98 or something. So they've been putting it for a while on the show. It must be popular enough. And lo and behold, that's what got me into it. Now, I hadn't watched any other shows for a while. I watched Love Hino when I was in college. And then... I dabbled with, like, Vampire Hunter D and Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust in a movie my, my my brother, you know, brought home one time. He rented, 
And it wasn't until I think like 2003, 2004, somewhere around there, where I stayed up super late and I watched Dot Hack Sign and Inuyasha. Two diametrically opposed ideas. But that's what really got me into anime to this day. But this right here, Tenshi Muyo, remains the first one. And even after all the things I've watched will still kind of sit in that top 10, top 15 for me, both for nostalgic purposes and the fact that if you dig deep and you try to avoid most of the crap of this uh, franchise, or maybe not even crap, just like, eh, that most of this franchise has done since the first two, those first two shows still hold up very well, and it has a lot to do with the writing that, you know, the early 90s, and it still looked really good for, like, mid-90s show, and people remember, like, Evangelion and whatever mid... This came out before then, so that should tell you something. And anime back then was kind of Wild West, so whether we were going to get it or whether it was going to be a good dub or anything like that was up in the air. Thank God that Tenji Muyo, in most cases, was a good one. And most of these actors I'd never heard of before or since. There's like one or two occasions where I remember them doing other things after this. Or they went on and do other things. But it's really fucking good. And I'm not even saying for its time. I'm saying good as a good dub, you know. Because again, this was my first experience to it. I wasn't going to get into the minutia of subbing and dubbing and whatever. You know, for all I knew, this was just a strange experience of strange things. Why is this dude getting hounded by five or six different girls of different, well, space origin? You know, why is there martial arts going on? Why is there weird space politics going on? What is this whole tree business? You know, all this stuff. And I think that's what sets it apart is because it can do different things. If it wants to sit in this stupid harem shit and, you know, have Ryoko and Ayaka going around going after him or, you know, subtly having Sasami, who's the best one, you know, spending time with him or taking care of him, then great. You know, if you want to have, hey, Tenchi actually means something and is actually important and, you know, he can fight worth a damn and his, you know, grandfather is like a fucking Jedi master, you can do that. If you want, like, weird space politics and how all this stuff intertwines and how all these different storylines handle the space drama shit, you've got that. You want space opera bullshit. You want space battles and guns and lasers and shit. You can do that. This gives you enough different things that I can see why they would venture into like 50 million other storylines, whether that works or not. But still, at its core, it is a harem, so you know what you're going to get. But it it is something more. And whether it was the first harem or not, it holds up because there's a lot going on, even if it's a comedy and a stupid, pervy thing most of the time. So... Looking back at those first two shows, and and I will dabble a little bit in the storyline of the of the OVA because that bounces around so much. I'm not going to remember. I had to look up a lot of extra information that I normally don't look up because this is such a franchise that is like not impenetrable. But God, I can't follow it because I'm stuck in those first two. I haven't even watched Tenshi in Tokyo since the first run. Because I wasn't that good. I watched it after Universe thinking, meh. Uh, so, of course, like, GXP and whatever. I, eh. I watched, like, an episode of 
it was it Geminar, Geminar, and you know that was Funimation. It was fine. It was it just didn't feel like a Tenchi show. It felt like Last Exile in space, which is fine, I guess, because Last Exile is awesome, but it's not Tenchi, you know. So I wasn't like invested. And then I saw well, it was at I Tenchi Muyo, and it's just like no. <laughs> they even bring back some of the characters with the same voice actors, and I'm like. Even then, no, I'm I'm not doing this. No, so so again, frame of reference. This episode, Muyo and Universe. If I dabble into this franchise again, it will be the movies. So, where do I begin with this? Well, that's the thing. It started as an OVA. It started as kind of a response to "No, you're not letting me do this," you know that sort of thing. So, I think either the creators or the people in charge of making you know, the people in charge of or part of the people making Bubblegum Crisis said they had an idea for doing some episodes in whatever, and the people nixed them. And so they just, a few years later, decided to make their own fucking show with Blackjack and Hookers. Well, actually, no, they didn't do either. <laughs> but but no, Tenshi Muyo was made in sort of response to ideas that they had going into, into that show, and Tenshi Muyo was made. And... The OVA spanned six episodes. I thought it always spanned 12 because that's what the first run in Toonami always was. But realistically, like, you have an arc. You have the setup of multiple characters showing up. You have the finale. Then you had, like, a carnival episode that focused on Sasami and just all the fun junk. Then they brought it back for more. That's how you get 12 episodes. You build upon other characters. You do other things. They don't bring that stuff back until 2003 and that's where it kind of gets weird because they try to expand the story from that first one but by the time that had come out they'd already done the spin-off of universe and they took the characters and they changed their backstories and they changed what happened to them so it's its own storyline i don't recall many situations other than say like a, a comic book where you have different things happening to the same characters they exist as the same characters but their origins their motivations are all different but they're portrayed by the same people so it's kind of strange and then of course tenchi muyo happens so then you or tenchi in tokyo happens and you have to go okay which fucking storyline is this one it's no it's it's the universal line okay because that happened there and then they bring back a different one and they say no it's the ryoki one and god fuck yeah so so that happens so the way I have to tackle talking about it is by talking about them sort of concurrently because talking about them characters is talking about the characters means this one and then that one. And if there are any differences or similarities, mostly because the characters don't change much. It's the things around them that do. But Tenchi voiced by Matt Miller or Matt K. Miller. Matt Miller was in like Final Fantasy X is like that goofball Clasco, that chocobo knight who ran off to be a breeder like that's all i remember him from that's very weird you know but anyway but tenchi is the archetypal you know teenage boy but for some reason like he's more well off like he's a little more self-assured despite being the stock uh -huh, girls oh my god weird it's weird to, you know that situation he's not Keitaro from love hina where he feels like he has nothing you know like no character other than hey i love girls or i want to go to college you know 
to me, it seems like he's able to be snarky. He's able to, you know, have a backbone despite the fact that he's played as the stock. Okay, these girls are fawning over me. I can't stop them. You know, that shit. Mostly because in the Muyo storyline, he has, you know, a training in this like weird martial arts, this sword fighting technique. His grandpa, who's the shrine priest, Katsuhito, who in the normal storyline is somebody totally different trains him in yeah and they train actually they are totally different people in each storyline but he trains him in this art of fighting with us with a sword and this sword is super powerful but it's also coming from him we learn midway through the ryooki storyline that he himself is part of a bloodline of people known as Dorians, who have crazy space trees and immortality technology and space technology and space politics, and they're basically Jedi, but trees. Like, Jedi Druids would be the best way I would describe it, because anything to do with Jedi has water, trees, space, trees, lots of trees, tons of trees. And so this sword that looks like the Master Sword, if it was wrapped in a, in a tree branch in both storylines, gives him crazy powers. The second one, not as much. It's more just swordsmanship for swordsmanship's sake. In the in the first one, it's like this crazy power that he can tap into, and that's what makes him like public enemy number one, and everybody's fascinated by him. So at least he has something. He has agency in the plot that doesn't revolve around girls. I mean, it still revolves around girls, don't get me wrong, but at least when it needs to lean into him having something to do and being the main character and, you know, sometimes having a backbone and, you know, telling these girls they're fucking morons because most of the time they are, he can do that. And it does go a little bit bonkers later on. I think in the Ryooki reboots they really overdo it and go off into some very fucking weird directions i remember an episode what was it like one of the last ones they didn't really set up the fact that he was going to do battle against some crazy thing that was trying to kill him known as z and we get like these odd like half and half we're seeing him fight z but we're also hearing this narration from characters we know and i'll talk about later it doesn't feel built up. It's like they forgot an episode. And, and that I guess it's happened before. Like if you watch an episode out of order and you skip one week and you're like, where the fuck did that come from? That's what it felt like. But to be fair, the, the, the expanded part of that storyline is a bit much. In universe, they do expand on it whenever they need to. The One of the main cruxes uh, of Tenji's thing is that he's without a mother. And in both storylines, they do a decent job of informing us that his grandfather and his father both have reasons to why they want him to have this Jorion royal family bloodline and whatever's because he's part of it. I'm, I'm trying to skirt around it in terms of, like, plot spoilers too much, but suffice it to say, in both situations, he has rights to being who he is. He just has to be trained well enough to do it because he's like 15, 16 years old. So he's at the perfect age to be a JRPG protagonist. Yay! So of course he has the power of God. Yay! But that alone can't hold a show. But if they wanted to go into the space politics stuff, 
there's enough there. You want to go into his backstory of not knowing who his mother is, dealing with his family. If you wanted to go a more dramatic direction, which in in some ways the movies do, not so much the the shows, the shows will dabble into that a bit. But by and large, I would say it's like 65% comedy. And it stays that way because they gotta have time for the girls. And um, the the main girl... The one girl that makes sense is Ryoko, and Ryoko is voiced by both Patri- uh, Patria B- Burchard and Mona Marshall. And I will say this up front: the newer version, the Mona Marshall version, I like Mona Marshall as a as a voice actress because she was Kite in Dot Hack Quadrilogy and like characters in like Wolf's Reign and God knows other things. I don't have a problem with her as an actor. What I have a problem with is. Whether it was the tone they were going for to either match the Japanese actress or whatever, it didn't fit. And this is one of the very few times I remember watching the expanded universe thinking, all right, I'm going to watch the subversion. I can't stand this. Because you had almost everybody else from the old school, if not a couple other changes that felt right. You know, if you're going to change actresses, make them sound right. Mona went for a little too high up voice pitch because I'm so used to Petrea having a very, like, sultry voice, a very mischievous voice, a very, like, thick, deep voice. And if you if you watch the show, you know what I'm talking about. Thick without being kind of ridiculous. Ryoko is amazing. And as one of the draws of the show is because she's a space pirate and she lives that lifestyle. She's a drunk. She's a weirdo. She's a perv. She does everything. And she's got the best freaking hairdo because I don't know how you get your hair to be like that. If you've ever seen any pictures of her, her outfits are always unique and different. And... Just her hair just spikes up and in like this weird circular spiky, like whenever Sonic or Metal Sonic does the revolving hair spike thing, that's basically what her hairdo does, except it's like light green and it's just distinct. But Ryoko in both storylines is a space pirate. In the first one, she crash lands years ago and gets resurrected because Tenchi's dumb and wants to search a cave. In this one, she just crash lands on the planet and he saves and he saves her from this thing until he finds out that she's just wanted and just doing it for the lulz. So she gets drunk and falls to the planet. So whether a space battle happens or whatever, in the first storyline, she wants to get her power back. She she denotes the immortal line, I want your balls, please. And, and Tenchi's just like, no, they're mine. I'm going to keep them. It's like, no, no, the gem's on your wrist, moron. So, so the the show is able to to poke fun when it needs to, and I, again, the interplay sometimes of when it needs to be perverse and when it needs not to be is kind of nice because it does rely on the the dumb like, oh my god, I saw her leg, oh my god, I saw her panties, oh my god, I saw her naked, you know that shit. But it does it modestly is the best form, like unless you're. Intent, like maybe once or twice an episode they go there they don't force it as the only comedy they need to they'll they'll do sight gags but then they'll do like their writing will actually carry those jokes every once in a while um like tenji's dad most of the time is is a per but it doesn't like overstay its welcome sometimes even his grandpa gets in on the fun and they make jokes and it's kind of funny um but Ryoko, again, makes a good counterpoint because she's so outlandish in both storylines and 
honestly gets it gets the party in trouble way too often. But not as often as another character who is kind of pointless. But Ryoko stands to reason as like the main female lead. And if the show was just about them, it'd be fine. And I think it it would have worked because you had that. And, and again, I do think you still need parts of the other characters to fulfill the other areas of the story and different personalities. That's what they were going for the whole time. So you have Ryoko constantly going after Tenshi, whether she knows him or not, or he's, you know, he's okay-ish character, you know, falls for him, you know. But one of the main problems with Tenshi, and this happens in a lot of shows, is they don't stick the landing. At most, I think one of the movies makes reference to them, I think, or maybe parts of another storyline angle says they did or didn't get together. But by and large, like, mostly Ryoko is the one that Tenji would fall for. But it never ever gets completely, like, 100% answered in the main two shows. So I think it gets referenced later. <laughs> I suppose. I don't know. It's weird. But anyway, you go from Ryoko to the second one, and it's Aika, voiced by Jennifer Darling. So Aika is a princess of Durai, the crazy space tree place, and she's very stuffy. She's very nice, but oh my god, she is fucking just ugh, anal retentive, I guess would be the best word. Short-tempered. But at the same time, it's like, it's it's in that like weird area where it, you think she's a bitch, you know she's a bitch, but she's still trying to be very demure and very proper and very defined. And it's not like she's rebelling against authority. It's just stuff is pissing her off. And it's kind of reasonable to expect that underneath the facade a little bit is kind of this clingy bitch that is just a asshole to be around half the time in the in the set in the first storyline she shows up because she finds her brother yosho she's looking for yosho somewhere ends up finding ryoko and they find battles and she gets onto the onto the planet in the in the second one she's looking for ryoko who's a space pirate and essentially like the first episodes are the same i think in the in the intro to her storyline in the first one, it's more she develops feelings for Tenchi a little bit faster and it makes a little bit more sense because I think they're pushing that direction. They don't push it as far in universe. They do have a couple of asides, but by and large, Ayaka is always the second option. And it does feel kind of forced. It feels kind of forced because they're sort of related, but sort of not related, but they might be related in one storyline, but they're not related in a different... I don't know. Again, that's the dry dynamics at work because she's going to try and... I think it's like her half-brother or whomever that she's like arranged to marry in one storyline. Other times, it's not. So it's like... Again, you can see where my brain is just kind of... Whatever. So she crash lands on the planet, and then Sasami shows up. And she's the best one. Uh, she was voiced by Sherry Lynn... She was Kione as well in, in the universe storyline, playing completely different. But I remember Sherry was in, like, the first Xenosaga, and then when she wasn't in the second or third, I was like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, Momo was great, and then they changed her to some other other actress. But anyway, so Sasami is just a little precocious, a little jokey, but kind of understands Ayaka's bullshit. 
but is always the nice lady. She's always the one that like loves cooking and loves getting her like knows who Ryooki is. Uh, Ryooki is Ryoko's pet, pet rabbit, cabot spaceship thing. Don't ask. It's to transfer him into a spaceship, and it's cute, and these carrots. But but Sasami, you know, grows fond of Ryuoki, and they always hang around, and she's always the one making meals because, you know, for some reason, Aika wants to stick around or has to stick around because her ship's blown up or is blown up or will be blown up or always blown up because Ryuko does things. And Sasami never gets into the into the love triangle bullshit. She sees it. It's dumb. It's really annoying, but then there's like those episodes where you find out that she, like she does have feelings for Tenji, and she it, it's wholesome. It's wholesome because you know why couldn't she be five or ten years older and totally better for Tenji? Because Ryoko's a Ryoko's a drunken asshole, and Ayaka's a stuck up bitch. Sasami's not, neither of those things. She's great, and then we find out she's related to some other ship. And can end up looking like this, like amazingly beautiful lady known as Susan- uh, Tsunami some late, some years later through shenanigans, and it's like, oh, oh yeah, that's totally unfair. <laughs> um, but yeah, Susami gets her own like spinoffs and other things like that. But again, it's 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 balancing out the cast a little bit. Um, another favorite character would be Washu, uh, Katie. Vo- uh, how do you pr- vote? Vought, I, I, V-O-G-T, sorry. But Washu is, again, not really a love interest, but she's there to fill out the cast, and she does it in a different way. And whether in the first one she's sealed by an old comrade or, like, research partner, she gets unsealed at the end of the first OVA. In the second one, she's a goblin. Goblins. And she, she gets unsealed because Ryoko decides to just, hey, I, I think this is fun. Let's re- let's search a cave and do this fun shit. And then she releases her because she's fucking stupid. And and Washu's whole thing is that she creates like the best things on the planet or the universe because she's smarter than everybody else. And then for whatever reason, she like she did create Ryoko or hasn't created Ryoko or will in one storyline is a god in one storyline, but is also not a god, but she also has a teenage voice and a teenage body, but she can turn into a, a larger woman and a more adult woman because she dated a guy before, but she didn't want to. And, ah, ah, my brain. Washu gets a couple episodes to herself, and I do remember the OVA where she gets, like, all the screen time because they're taking care of, like, some relative's baby or something, and... Again, most of the cast are fucking idiots and can't take care of a baby, but for some reason, Washu's done it before. And you actually get some, like, storyline and dialogue progression because most of the time, they don't. They leave her kind of in the background to do fun shenanigans or create weird stuff. But then... She actually gets half of an OVA to herself, which is which is cool because, again, she's very sly, very just self-assured and very powerful and did i mention smart um but again filling out different parts of the cast and doing interesting but eventually you start getting diminishing returns of the are any of these people viable solutions like other than like one little scene in that baby episode there's not really any like oh my god you know she's doing it more for fun rather than actually being a love interest 
if that makes sense. So it never really feels like it's warranted and you can start seeing where things are going. And you get Mihoshi. Uh, Ellen Gerstall and Rebecca Forstadt. Mihoshi shouldn't exist. She's dumb. I don't like her much. She doesn't do much for the plot. Her role in this whole franchise is to be the comic relief. And every so often she'll get a funny joke, but it's the, oh my god, I left the oven on. <laughs> oh my god, I fell over. <laughs> she, her entire her entire thing, whether she gets introduced in the OVA or or uh, whatever, whatever skill she does have as a police officer is overmatched by her absolute stupidity and obliviousness. I get that there are characters like that. I don't think the show needs it, and I don't know if she ever really becomes a character un into or unto herself because she's just there to be an idiot. She's a bouncing pad for the comedy, and it doesn't ever land because I don't like that kind of comedy, and if you like, you know, Mihoshi, great. I don't. I never do. She doesn't have any real reason to be there other than capturing Ryoko, but after a while they just stop bringing it up because... Like, they live together forever, and you wonder why. And it's like, what the fuck? Why is she still there? What do, I mean, at most, you could bring a storyline, and we're protecting her. We're we're being, like, sent as outposts. I think in the second show, they give them reasons for for staying on the planet or whatever. It's more to observe that Ryoko and Tenchi exist and make sure that nothing goes wrong. Well, she's a fucking idiot. What is she doing there? You could write her out of the story and nothing would happen. She's there to provide some sight gags and be dumb. And I get it. It's a different type of character. But at no time, other than one weird like aside in a, in a hot spring... While Ryoko and Aika are looking there, getting drunk, looking at her like a moron, does she mention, oh, Tenshi saved me, that's great, you know, she's not that good a character, I don't like her, and I don't think she belongs in the story, if they'd given her some more storyline reason why she's a fucking idiot, maybe I'd live with it, maybe if it was more funny, rather than just, ah, she did another dumb thing, she blew up another house, that'd be one thing. The only reason Mihoshi exists is to make Kione look way better by comparison. So Kione in the universe version, and she exists in the, in the first as a totally different character, so bear that in mind, but I'm going into the universe idea here. Kione shows up like four or five episodes into the universe looking for Ryoko, and then she ends up finding Mihoshi much to her dismay. What Kione does that is some of the best material is she's the overworked, underpaid, undervalued super student, super police officer. She's actually good at her job. And it reminded me later on of like Shion from Xenosaga 1, where she's put in a situation that is beyond her control and she's just trying to make do. And she works hard and tries to do everything. But Mihoshi is her fucking black sheep or black cat. And she exists to torment her whether Mihoshi wants to or not. And they're partners now. And it sucks. And you're just like, somebody kill me. And her dialogue is some of the best because it's relatable. Some of the stuff she gets into is dumb. And it, it it's brought about because Mihoshi sucks so bad. And again, it's not like I'm mentioning something amazing. The show tells you that Mihoshi sucks. That's Kione's entire character, and it works. 
Um, I do kind of wish he had more to do, but again, there's only so much screen time that Oyeka and Ryoko get, so everybody else gets kind of shunted off. And no, Kione has no romantic attachment to Tenshi at all, and you can see part of the problem with this show. Some of them don't need to be there. Some of them are there for different reasons. Okay, but don't call it a harem when at most three of them have any attachment at all to that character. And one of them is too young for it to matter, you know, so you don't want to get it in a bad situation. And then add that to Tenchi in Tokyo where you add another fucking girl to the mix and you add in terrible animation, a terrible storyline, characters that don't get any dialogue, don't get any steering. You have to figure out which of these storylines is actually the right one and you put in way worse animation. It's just, eh. Tenchi in Tokyo, Tokyo sucks. It's okay. But I didn't want to, I never wanted to launch again. So I stick with that. Anyway, but you have your main players. And really, again, it is a balancing act of the main two and Tenshi. And then everybody else kind of just filters in. They're still useful outside of Mahoshi most of the time. But it's like, some of them don't need to be there. And some of them are there just for shits and giggles. But they give storyline justification here and there. You do get a lot of okay, this person wants to find and destroy a planet, or this person is there because this, you know, this thing, this arranged marriage that I was planning on doing has gone awry because Ayaka's being a dick and doesn't want to marry this daughter or this, you know, well-to-do, you know, arranged marriages are annoying and whatever. You've seen that storyline. So she fawns over Tenchi and whatever. In the in universe, it's more subdued the, the, because you get a little bit more time to work with. The The thing with universe is you get a lot more space. You get a lot more space drama. Um, a lot of the aura of the show, a lot of the stuff, unless they go into space, takes place in the rural Japanese town, the the shrine village that Tenchi and, their, and her family, his family, I'm saying her, his family resides in because his his grandfather is a shrine priest and is being taught there you know so they just live in a quaint place they don't really interact at most in a storyline you'll see his dad go to work as an architect or something or you'll see a storyline like maybe in the movie they'll go to tokyo or whatever or they'll talk about the big cities or you know in tokyo they'll have the tokyo city life whatever but by and large a lot of the shenanigans are going to happen in their environment, a lot of that stuff. And they don't really go into space too much unless they need to go to a ship. And there's some space battles. I do like in the Ryoko story or the, the Muyo Ryooki storyline that they do like change their outfits and they change their looks and they're a lot more serious. Like Ryoko and Ayeko change their entire look and they're very serious. They're fighting this like weird space pirate that has this like crazy amount of power. He's trying to destroy shit. They're trying to stop it. And you get this like weird like multi-dimensional spaceship battle thing and crazy effects that you hadn't had all of the last four or some episodes and you realize oh god they're like super powered beings you know they can change their size they can do laser battles they can fight with swords it's kind of neat you know so that's like the climatic battle of that in the universe storyline a coup happens where Ayaka gets deposed by this person who's apparently uh, a guy named Yosho or whatever and in 
Ryooki Yosho is her, you know, cousin or half-brother or something like that. In universe they're not related so again it's more weird it's more of like a folk hero coming back to take his place but he's decided to depose the royal family so he sends people to kill them like you do so they go on the run i think what universe does do is spend more time in space and do more space things because you're traveling to dry to clear your name you're not i think the space politics stuff happen a lot more in the original storyline. That's more family dynamics and power struggle and shit like that. This is more, let's go into space and do crazy shenanigans to get to a place to kill a guy to stop a thing from happening. But you still get a lot more space. Uh, whenever there are battles, again, there are interesting, you know, I don't know what martial art they were focusing on when they built the story. But again, it is a, it is a unique form of things because you have the, the sword fighting but you have the people with the space guns and the space powers and the cool stuff that happens you know you can buy that this space pirate or these people with laser guns have different ways of attacking like kione has this yo-yo that turns into a lasso to capture criminals it's kind of neat you know uh, a a light lasso of sorts i don't know you just little cool things that you can make sense. This person grows to immense size or it doesn't. These cloning techniques or whatever. This person is a clone of real... Like, some of it makes sense because of the space backdrop. The stuff that wouldn't work in a normal harem show set on Earth, basing on no sense of logic. If it just happened for the sake of happening, then it would be weird. But because they do the space stuff, because you can kind of suspend your disbelief a little bit, you can af you can afford, okay, they went to this place in space where this, this girl may have got stuck and became a ghost, like a ghost ship. They, they do the, the ghost ship idea, but in space. They do a bikini contest in space because they need money to do a thing. They open up a ripoff bar because they need money, so they do it in space. Ryoko ends up fighting this uh, bounty hunter lady that keeps, you know, pestering the party because reasons, because Ryoko's a bitch and keeps leaving a trail and keeps spending money on food and they keep running out of money. So they have to open up a fucking bar and charge exorbitant prices. There you go. Stealing stuff from a place to get to go somewhere. So a lot of things make sense. The, the dynamics of the characters actually make sense they they have so many things on offer that it's almost a bit excessive but it's balanced enough that in most cases you can recognize where they're going and until like the third ova which was made a good decade after the first so they're trying to add to the storyline of the first show where they have the dry in politics, they have the arranged marriages, they have the light hawk wings and Tenchi's body, but also in the sword, but also in his body, so it makes no sense. But, you know, that storyline. They also have the creators of the universe being one of the main characters for reasons, you know, it, you know triple goddesses like where the fuck did that come from and then you have this guy named z who fights tenchi for some reason you know and then you have this like but this person created this person and then this person created that but then there's a whatever you know it becomes very strange and you have to remember i only watch ryoki once so i was not a fan of the expanded storyline so it really just like your mileage may vary but 
uh, again, that that stuff gets a bit nuts, but there's still a lot to be involved in. If you want the space battle stuff, you've got that. If you want the very zen trees and and shrine ephemera, you got that. If you want the harem bullshit, you got the harem bullshit. If you want colorful characters, you got colorful characters. If you want all the space opera nonsense, you got that. If you want cool action for a 1990 show, you've got that. There's enough going on in this franchise that there's going to be something. And I think a spinoff or two probably focuses more heavily on the sort of thing that you're looking for. But for my money, I still think those first two shows, the 1992 and the 1995 ones, are the main ones that people will remember and resonate with because they do enough of everything well, even if it gets a a bit excessive at times it's better to have way too much than not enough and it being half-baked provided that you're able to make it make sense there are some shows that try to put too much into you i saw i saw a concrete revolution um recently and they tried to do way too fucking much and it ended up making no goddamn sense this has a lot of things thrown at you but it still ends up making a lot of sense because the writing and the characters help elevate the material, which could have been a terrible idea. But there's enough going on, in spite of it being a harem show, that they have enough to elevate it to, hey, this is actually really fucking good, and there's a lot to like here. So whether you come into it because you're out of nowhere, like I was, if you're coming into it knowing, hey, it's a harem show with, with titties and and girls, you got that. If you want the space druid, space Jedi stuff, and space battles, you got plenty of that too. So there's a lot going on that makes this show memorable. So would I recommend Tenshi Muyo and Tenshi Universe? Well, considering it was the first show that I ever watched, and I still like it 20, 25 years later, I absolutely do. But that'll be enough for me. And let's see what... Uh, see what we've got here coming up and sorry i had a i had a little i had a little discord pop-up so you might hear it um but yes after tenshi muyo we have the review of final fantasy 5 which i just completed for my playthrough snow white with red hair soul hackers 2 86 sonic the hedgehog 2 and radiant historia so that will be that for a while, and I will see you guys next time.